Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Stephen. I'm the pastor here. Again, welcome to Redemption. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for our Christmas Eve service. It is so good to have you here. And tonight, I just want to really look at one verse. I'll hop around to a couple other ones, but we're going to focus in on just one key passage tonight. And I like that this passage was written by Jesus' half-brother. And I just think that if they celebrated birthdays back then, like this guy was doing it before any of us, before it was even popular, Jesus' half-brother was, was celebrating Jesus' birthday. And then that guy, about 20 years or so after Christ had died and resurrected, wrote this, this verse right here. In the New Testament, it's known as the book of James, written by the, the apostle James. And then in chapter 1, the first section of that, in verse 17, he writes this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I'm going to read it one more time since we only got one. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And as we look at this verse tonight, what I want to do is first try and understand what is a good and perfect gift. Secondly, Who sent the good and perfect gift? Where did it come from? And then thirdly, how was it sent? And so what is it? Who sent it? And how did they send it? And at first, this verse might seem like it's not very Christmassy, like 54-degree weather on Christmas Eve. You go, this doesn't feel like Christmas. Well, I think as we look into this verse, we're going to see that it is the very essence of Christmas. And in his Little verse here, James says that every good gift and every perfect gift. He makes a distinction between good gift and perfect gift, but then he's really combining it, and he's saying the greatest gifts are both good gifts and perfect gifts. And so I want us to understand what James meant by good gift and perfect gift, and we'll call the combination of the good gift and the perfect gift a great gift. Now, I'm sure... Many of you, over the last months or weeks or days or hours, depending on your personality, have been on the search for a great gift. Some of you might share this in common with me, and that is that the hardest person to buy for in your life is the most important person to buy for in your life because they're your spouse. Anyone else? Okay. So, you understand my predicament. Now, every December, I face what I call the trifecta of gift-giving death. Our anniversary is December 2nd. Christmas is December 25th. Lindsay's birthday is December 27th. Thank you for your sympathy, actually. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Yes. And so every December, I have to search for not just one good and perfect gift, but multiple good and perfect gifts. Or I have to just spend a lot of money, right, and buy like one. And like this covers everything for the next 25 days. And over the last few years, we've been married for five years now. Uh, Over the last few years, I've tried a lot of different things. I've tried hobbies. She didn't like them. I've tried clothes. She didn't wear them. Right? And so, and it's not because Lindsay's mean or like hates what, like, she just, you know, like, it just, I missed missed the boat. Right? So this year, Lindsay said, I'm going to take it easy on you. I said, thank you so much. She said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create an Amazon wish list. Everyone said, amen, right? She said, oh, yeah. I'm going to create an Amazon wish list, and I, I will share it with you, and then you can pick from the list, you know, and get from there. And I was like, this isn't like a trick, right? Like, everything on the list is good. 
right? Like, I can't go wrong, right, if I, if I come from the list. Now, I like to surprise as a gift giver. And, and I think, you know, we all get to a point, maybe not all of us, right, but a lot of us get to a point in life where it is really more fun to, like, give the, the right gift than, than even to receive one. You get excited about that process. And I, I, so I like to surprise when I, when I give a gift. And so I was looking at the list, and I said, okay, well, how can I bring the element of surprise back into this? And I was like, okay, I'll just I'll change the address so that it gets shipped somewhere else. And so we got to the end. I was checking out. Out and I picked the ones that I'd wanted to get her, and then I changed the address so that they would be sent to uh, my dad and, and, and his wife's house, and that way Lindsay wouldn't know what it is that I got her. I'm like, okay, finally, I think I won this year. I was pretty excited about that. And then about 48 hours later, Lindsay texted me and said, I think it's really cute that you changed the address, but I still get all of the email confirmations from Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So it was good, but it definitely was not perfect. There's something lacking still. Next year, we'll try again. When James writes every good gift and then every perfect gift, he really is making a distinction or he's, he's adding layers to the idea of giving a gift. And what he's doing first is he's saying every good gift, every good gift. And what he means by good gift is not necessarily, actually not necessarily, not even what the gift is, but the motive of the giver. And so the good gift is from the, the, a, a proper motive. That's what a good gift is. In this, in this case, good is more contrasted with bad than it is with, uh, I'm sorry, with evil than it is with bad, right? Like we would say like, you know, apples are good, oranges are bad, right? Like we, we kind of understand that. You wouldn't say oranges are evil, right? You might say like dogs are good, cats are evil. So it's more like that than it is the good and the bad, right? So it's good and evil. He's saying every good gift is a gift given with the right motive. Have you ever received a really perfect gift? I'll explain what that is because that's the actual gift itself. But have you ever seen, uh, received something that you really wanted or you really needed, it, but you received it in such a way that you didn't trust the motive of the person who was giving it to? And so you get it and you're like, I don't even know if I want this. Because it feels like what you're doing is you're, you're giving it out of manipulation. You're now going to try to work your way into my life. You're trying to get me to change my perspective of you. Uh, maybe it feels like you're giving this out of obligation. Like, you, I know you don't really like me, and I know you didn't really want to do this, but you're just doing it anyway. Or I'm giving it out of um, because I want control over you, or I want influence with you, or I want to gain your favor for something in the future. And somebody gives you something, and it is exactly what you needed or you wanted, but you don't even want to take it because you don't want to put yourself in that type of relationship with somebody who would give out of that motive. That's the opposite of a good gift. It's an evil gift or, or a bad gift, but an evil gift. James says every good gift. And so when he's saying every good gift, what he's talking about is gifts given from the right motive. So what is the, the gift or what is the right motive then? Well, we, we know this. The right motive in, in gift giving then is when the gift giver is extending something and there is no thought of reciprocation. There is no manipulation or favor or debt that is going to be called later. The right motive is simply when the gift giver is saying to the gift recipient, I thought about you. I know you, I love you, and so I got this for you. I thought about you, I know you, I love you, and so I got this for you. Remember when grandma used to buy you those sweaters? 
They were good. You never wore them. Grandma's heart was good. The motive was good. She thought about you. She knew you. She loved you, so she got it for you. That's the good gift. Gifts given from the right motive. But James is talking about the greatest gift. And so in the greatest gift, James wants to, he said, it's not just good. It's not just from the right motive. It's also perfect. It's a perfect gift. So what's the perfect gift? Well, the perfect gift actually begins to to talk about the actual gift itself, like the item or the service or whatever it is that you receive. And this one we kind of uh, almost know because sometimes we open up something and we look at it and what do we say? We go, it's perfect. It's perfect. And, and, and a perfect gift is the gift that uh, you, you receive, and it is exactly what you need or want. It's exactly what you need or want. And so you open it up, and you're ready to go. A couple days ago, I guess it was Monday, we had a staff meeting uh, with our staff. There's 10 of us on staff, and, and we were sitting around, or we were about to go into the meeting, and Danae, who's our kids ministry director, came up to me, and she said, hey, can we have the meeting in the conference room? And I was like, sure, why? And she goes, well, I got everybody a gift, and, and I want everyone to open them uh, at the same time, and I, I want to watch everybody's face as they open them, and I want to watch you guys kind of interact with it, so can, somebody, can we do it there? And Danae was like kind of getting excited about it, and, and so we walked into the, the conference conference room, and, and the first thing that we all saw was we saw nine of these bags, right? Danae was the 10th. She didn't, like, not buy for one of us. Okay, if you're doing math at home. And so we saw, we saw nine of these bags, and then we saw nine food items out on the table. And Danae goes, okay, everyone, pick your bag based upon the food item uh, that's out in front. And, and we all laughed because it was so obvious. We saw the Maddie and Bella co- uh, coffee bag, and everyone goes, well, that's Lindsay's, right? And then we, we kept looking at the table, and there's the big container of peanut M&M's. That's Steve, right? And then you kept looking, and we see this, a bag of puppy chow. Clearly, that's Steven's, right? And, and we all laughed, and we all went nine for nine in picking uh, the bag that was ours. I'm going to just get this back in the bag. Okay. And we, we went nine for nine in picking the, the bag that was ours. And then we just looked at Danae, and we kind of laughed, and we said, you absolutely nailed it. Like, you apparently know all of our, like, you know, unhealthy eating habits. Great job, Danae. Like, and it was, it was really fun. It was good, right? Because I know Danae is giving it from the right motive. It was, it was perfect because, I mean, that one wouldn't be necessarily exactly what I need. I don't need more puppy chow, right? But it is what I want. And so it was perfect. Now, what about who the gift is from. That's a good gift and a perfect gift. It's a, it's a gift given with the right motive that is exactly what you need or want. What's, who gave it? Well, in the verse, James says this. He says, it comes down from above from the Father of lights. The Father of lights. Now, this is an old Hebrew phrase, and what it means is the God of all creation, the one who spoke everything into existence, the father of lights, as in like Genesis chapter one, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then it goes on, and God's first words that he spoke out loud are, let there be light, let there be light. 
And then the whole, not the whole story, but much of the theme then of the Old Testament is this, uh, this, the, this battle between darkness and light, where darkness represents that which is uh, evil, that which is sinful, and light represents that which is good and that which is righteous. And there's this theme throughout the Old Testament. And even the opening verse of our, of our evening tonight that we were reading talked about how the world was waiting in darkness, and it was waiting for light to break in. And light can break in because there's a father of lights, there's a creator of lights, God. And then the rest of the verse in James goes on to tell us that this God, he he doesn't change. He's always the same. He doesn't shift. You don't have to wonder who he is. See, part of receiving a gift uh, is knowing the person who has given it to you. See, one of the ways that we evaluate whether or not a gift is good or evil is by our relationship with the person who has uh, given us the gift. And usually our our relationship with that person helps us understand, is the motive good or bad? Now, if we have a relationship with God and we we receive a gift from God and we have this good relationship with him, then we might assume it isn't. But what if you don't? What if you're here today and you're like, well, I don't really know God. I don't really know what he's all about. In fact, I actually have some ideas about God and the way that I look at him. I don't know if I always trust his motives and I don't know if I always trust who he is. Well, what's another way? What's another way that we can begin to judge the motives of another person when they give us a gift? Well, sometimes we talk to people who know him. So the very first time I ever sent Lindsay a Facebook message, she didn't respond for like two weeks, which... Anyone who knows Lindsay is like, not that uncommon for her not to respond to a communication all that quickly. But at the time, I was freaking out. Later, I asked her, and I said, why didn't you do that? She said, oh, I just thought you were married, and it was really creepy. I was like, okay. (laughs) Well, I was single, (laughs) so this was very okay. And I was like, how did you know that later? And she goes, oh, I talked to somebody, and he said that you were, you know, single and that you were a good guy, and I should respond. I was like, well, I'm, you know, I buy that guy coffee all the time, right? her relationship with somebody else then thought, okay, well, maybe the motive isn't, isn't wrong here. And so sometimes we actually have to like, talk to some other people and say, well, so there's this gift, but I don't know if I trust the motive. For some of you this evening, I talked to you about a God who's given an incredible gift. And I know you might not know me, but I want you to know there's a lot of people here today And they're here because they've gotten an incredible gift from God. And they want you to open it because it's a gift for you too. See, the gift giver is the father of lights. It's the God of the universe. And when we receive a gift, one of the things that we immediately do, and we just kind of do this like, it's like almost natural when we receive a gift is is we begin to kind of uh, build like a value uh, system associated with, with how incredible we think the gift is. And how much value or how much, how incredible we think the gift is or how perfect we think the gift is uh, usually kind of goes something like this. This is mine anyway. Maybe yours is similar to it. One of the things I love about getting a gift is when it's, uh, when it's unexpected or when it's a surprise. Because when I get an unexpected gift or a surprise gift, then I think you were thinking about me and I didn't even think about it. Like I didn't even think about you thinking about me. This, this is a surprise. It's almost like saying this. It's like, I can't believe that you gave me. Like, I can't believe that you, a person who I didn't get a gift for, but you got me one. 
Oh, I can't believe that you, because we really haven't been in relationship that much lately, and so, but you thought of me. Or I can't believe that, that you, maybe if you carry this out a little bit further, I can't believe that you, who like, I didn't even know we were on speaking terms anymore, and quite frankly, like, I thought we were enemies, but you got me. Thank you. And there's a surprise to it. Surprise. Another way, then, that we kind of build this, like, value of a gift is, is the, the sacrifice associated with it. We begin to look at the, at the gift, and we go, wow, I can't believe that you gave me this. And sometimes you might receive a gift, and, uh, and it was a good gift, like it was, and it's all well-meaning, but, but you, know, you know the person who gave it to you, you're like, that probably wasn't a huge sacrifice, and, and so there's something different. But, and somebody else could give you the exact same gift, and you could see a deeper level of sacrifice there, and it kind of like endears you to them. And there's something about it when there's this level of sacrifice involved in it. Another way we kind of build value around a gift is like the specialization of it. Like the, the reason I share with you the, the story about Danae is because she, like nine of us on staff, like she just nailed it. Like, like when she gave us that little food item, it's like she was saying like, hey guys, I've been listening. I've been watching. I, uh, I know you. I thought about you. I love you. And so I got you. I got you this. And see, the, the gift giver can only give, oh, let me say it this way, the, the gift giver, the more they know the heart of the recipient, the more specialized the gift they can give. And as the gift giver understands the heart of the person that they're giving to, then the gift, it's like it gets more and more perfect because they know. So the specialization of it, you look and you're like, man, I can't believe that you... Surprise, gave me, I didn't even know we were friends, this. Like it seems a little expensive, it seems a little excessive, but it is exactly, it's exactly what I wanted. It's exactly what I needed. Thank you. And so there's this surprise factor, there's this sacrifice factor, there's this specialization factor. And it all begins to to play in. Now, the fourth thing, and that kind of builds into the value of it is, like, how much did I need it? Like, this puppy chow thing is fantastic. But again, I don't need puppy chow. I just want it. And there's something about, like, like a need. Like, like, when it's something, you go, man, I just, I really, I really needed this. So James says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above. So the question then would be, well, what was that gift specifically? Well, another New Testament writer, a guy by the name of Paul, helps us understand what the gift specifically was. I'll tell you in a second how it came to us, but first, let me just show you this passage. It's in another New Testament letter called Romans, in Romans chapter 5. And what the, the author does is first he's trying to explain to us our great need for the gift. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, he says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Another verse later, Paul says, The wages of sin is death. It's like sin is almost this 
anti-gift that steals uh, and does everything the opposite of what a good gift would do. See, what does a good gift do? Like, like when you get a good and a perfect gift, a, a great gift, a good and a perfect gift, when you get it, the first thing it does is it brings a smile to your face. Like there's like some joy in it. And depending on how much value or how much need, uh, how much you needed the gift, the second thing that, that, that gift does is it doesn't just bring you some joy in the moment. You see how, like, this is going to impact my future. Like, it's going to change some things. The third thing that a gift does, when, when it really hits all of those points, it doesn't just, just bring joy in the moment and change your future. It actually changes your relationship with the person who gave you the gift. In fact, some of you probably right now, you have people in your life and there's like this an endearment that you have for them or they have an endearment for you because at one time they gave you a gift or you gave them a gift and they were surprised and they saw your sacrifice and they saw how specialized it was and it was in a moment when they needed it and now your heart is just like kind of, it's kind of knit together. You may not even see them that often, but when you do, you like get back to that moment of gratitude and you're like, man, I can't believe that you gave me this. And the deeper the need, the, the, the greater we understand the need, the more the gift begins to mean to us. And Paul was writing in Romans chapter 5, and he was saying the anti-gift, all of humanity had that one. All of humanity experienced the opposite of the gift, the anti-gift, sin. And sin leads to death, which means that when you experience that, it steals the joy. And it, too, changes your future. But it changes your future in all of the wrong ways because it produces death both in this life and in the next in eternity called hell. And it forever changes your relationship with the one who originally gave you life and life, the father of lights. And so sin breaks in to all of humanity, which means all of humanity was in deep need of a gift that could reverse all that sin had stolen. And then Paul goes on and he says, but the, but the free gift, don't you love it when people put the word free in front of gift? Okay, now when it's like the, you know, salesman at the fair, okay, you know it ain't free. Like it costs at least your email. But here in the scriptures, oh man, I think, I think, I think the word free here is saying it, it's a free gift. Why? It's a free gift. What, what's the author trying to express? He's saying this. He's saying it's a good gift. Say, hold on, no, no. It's a gift that you could never earn. It's certainly a gift that you don't deserve, but it's a gift that is not given with any obligation or any manipulation or any sense of control. It's not a gift where God is trying to give it to you so that he might control you or demand something of you. It's a good gift. It's given from the right motive. It is the father of lights saying, I know you, I thought about you, I love you, and so I gave you. It's a good gift gift, but what is it? What is the gift? He says, but the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Now, justification is just a doctrinal term that means salvation from our sins. 
that the free gift, it, it was a good gift because it is God giving it to us with no thought of obligation or manipulation, but the gift itself is forgiveness. Forgiveness for our sins. This is the gift that was given. Now here's the question. How? How did the great gift giver give his gift? Well, James tells us. He says, the gift came down. The gift came down. That's how. So then we have to ask ourselves, well, what? What came down from God? Luke chapter 2 makes it really clear to us what came down from God. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The thing that God sent down was his son, Jesus. And we see later in Romans that we're told that it is a good gift and uh, that it came from the right motives. And so maybe I've got you on that one. But now the question is, is it and was it the perfect gift? Was it exactly what your heart needed? And to understand that, right, is to understand our need, but then all of those other things begin to play in. And was it the most valuable, perfect gift? Well, if the things that build value are the surprise of the gifts, think about this. Maybe Danae, when she was thinking about us, like she had to go to like six or seven different stores. Like she had thought a few weeks ahead and bought all of these things and laid them out. And so we knew that she had been thinking about us. But when God sent his son down from heaven and earth, the good and the perfect gift, it had been a surprise that had been building for 4,000 years. And so for those 4,000 years of Christ having been promised, but then coming down, there were those 4,000 years. And then there were the 2,000 years or so between then and the moment that we are in right here, right now, today. And if you'll open the gift today of your salvation, the surprise is God saying, I knew you, I thought about you, I loved you, and so I gave you this. Oh, but was it sacrificial? He is the God of the universe, the Father of lights. He owns all things. He has all things. All things must bow to his name, and all things will bow to his name. So what could he possibly give that was excessive and expensive? His son. His son. Oh, but was it specialized? Was it specialized? 
So as we sat around the table, Danae said, hey, open up, open up the journal or the book that's right now in front of you. She had them all wrapped up. And so we all unwrapped them and they're these little work journals and they have little work sayings on them. And we went around the table reading them and we got to mine and I was like, guys, I don't really get it. And so I read it out loud and it was meetings that could have been emails. And everyone on our staff started laughing and I was like, okay, apparently it was exactly right. Apparently I called too many meetings that could be emails. My bad, lesson learned. And we all went around and we led, read the little phrase on the journal, <coughs> excuse me. And as we went around the circle, we saw that like Danae knew us again because she had picked out the one thing in all of our work relationships that we all knew were exactly true of each and every one of us. And so we read it and it just hit us because we knew it was right. Let me tell you about the specialization of this gift, the gospel. When your heart begins to come open to it, it's like God is handing it to you saying, open this gift because it is exactly what your heart needs. Like you're here today and you're like, I've never really believed in all of this God stuff. I'm not sure about creation and I don't know about all of that stuff. And I'm like, ignore that for a moment and just open the gift. It's been the hardest year of my life and I'm ready to run away from God. No, 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 no. Open the gift. You don't know me. I've messed up so much. I have sinned so much. There is no way he could love me. No, no, no. Open the the gift. I already did that Christian thing. Then I got rid of it and I moved on and, and I'm just here because somebody, no, no, no. Open the gift. Because when you open your heart to the gospel, then what happens is God breaks his way into it. He steps right in when you will receive the gift and he speaks to you exactly as you need to hear. And it's his way of saying, I knew you. I thought about you. I love you. And so here am I the ultimate good and perfect gift. Receive me, open the gift, open the gift. And what stops us from opening the gift? Maybe we are afraid that we're putting ourselves in debt. God offers this gift free of charge. You didn't do anything to earn it. You can't deserve it. He just gives it. And maybe you don't know me. Maybe you don't know the other people around here that you didn't come with. But let us tell you, the gift's free. And what happens when you open it is, it doesn't come about us trying to earn back God's grace. It comes about him just keep pouring out more and more gifts to you. Open, open the gift tonight. And here's what it'll do when you do, because here's what every good gift and perfect gift does when you open it. It'll bring a joy. It will impact your future on this earth and in eternity instead of hell, heaven, and it will forever change your relationship with the gift giver and your heart will just be endeared to him. Matthew said, Matthew, the, the gospel writer said, this of the gift, said the gift will be named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
Christmas was all about Christ coming down and being the ultimate good and perfect gift. So open the gift. If you don't know how to open the gift, I'm going to walk you through it here as we wrap up. If you've already opened the gift in your life, sometimes it's good to just go back and remember the gift giver, the joy you had in the moment you did, the way it's changed everything, and to let that just wash over you again. To remember the now endeared, changed relationship that you have with the gift giver who thought about you and knew you and said, hey, I love you. So maybe as I'm praying, if you've already opened the gift, just let God remind you how much he was thinking of you. If you haven't opened the gift tonight and you know it's time, I wanna pray you through it. Will you pray with me? God, Father of lights, I can't believe that you, the perfect one, would give me the one who fell short a hundred times, a thousand times, the gift of salvation. I can't believe that you would speak to my heart exactly as I need to hear. If you're here tonight and you've never opened the gift of your salvation in the quietness of your own heart, this isn't a formula. I'm just kind of walking you through something. It's not just about repeating some words. It's about a transformation inside, but I want to help you. In the quietness of your own heart, just pray something like this. God, I get it now. I see my great need. I know I've sinned. Thank you for the gift, the sacrificial, special gift of Christ, the payment of my sins. I believe it. I might not know all that it's gonna lead me into, but I'm opening the gift tonight. you've prayed that prayer, the scripture tells us that you've moved from death to life, that you've gone from out of relationship with God now back into relationship with God, that your eternity is forever changed. Welcome to the family. And Father, for all of us, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, the good and perfect gift, the perfect motive, the right motive and exactly what we needed. May we live out the joy, the changed future, and the new relationship that we have with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.